0: Welcome to the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. Thank you for joining us as we empower military spouses of all branches and all components to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Now, here are your podcast hosts, your Mission Mill Spouse command team.
1: Welcome Mission Mill Spouse podcast listeners. I'm Kathleen Palmer, your director of content here at Mission Mill Spouse, and I'm so excited to be bringing you today's episode that will enlighten and educate you. Today's guest is Amanda Barrett, author of The Warsaw Sisters. Christie award-winning novelist Amanda Barrett focuses on the heartbreaking events that took place in Poland during the Second World War. Combining historical authenticity with emotional resonance, MEDA provides a portrait of war through two women's eyes and unveils the heroism of ordinary individuals during the Warsaw Uprising of 1944. Amanda, welcome to the Mission Mill Spouse podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's
1: such an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you and as military spouses everywhere. We love to read. We love book clubs. (laughs) And we love historical fiction. So this is right up our alley. So Um, I'm going to start off with just asking you maybe to provide our listeners with a brief summary of the Warsaw Sisters, your book, your latest book.
2: Absolutely. So the Warsaw Sisters is inspired by true stories of the resistance and resilience of ordinary people, particularly women in occupied Poland. Through the eyes of Antonina and Helena, my main characters, I was able to explore landmark events and heroes, such as the Dairy Network of Women who rescued hundreds of Jewish children from the Warsaw Ghetto, and Poland's secret army that rose up in 1944 in a heroic and tragic battle for the city's freedom. So, it, But at its heart, this is a story about sisterhood. It's a story about women forged by war, women faced with these impossible circumstances and choices, and how... Even in the midst of these dark times, the sisterhood and the bonds are the most abiding uh,
1: well that and that really you describe
2: like what it has been like for the last 20 years for many of
1: our military spouse community members um you know, just the the long times of war, not the same type of war or the same situation, but just you really do form that bond that was a really awesome way to put it. and I gotta ask your protagonist it's could you say their names it's Hel-
2: Helena and it's Antonina and Helena. Yes,
1: Helena. Where do you come up with those names? Those are amazing.
2: Those were very much I re, I researched what um, p- people in Poland would have been named, not in the 1940s, but about 20 years before. So in the early 1920s, when my characters were born and those were names that kept appearing on the list. And the more I read memoirs and, li- and listen to survivor interviews and things like that, the more those names kept cropping up. So I felt like I named my characters really what would have been typical of the time period. That's
1: true. And it's really smart of you to go back so far because, you know, other than the period you were writing about, because that's really when they would have been like fabricated in their parents' minds. Um, So they are sisters living in Warsaw, Poland. And as their city buckles under the German occupation, both sisters choose a different path of resistance. Can you give us any more information
2: on how they chose to help the war efforts? So my character, Antoinina, shelters Jewish children from the Warsaw ghetto as part of a network organized and operated primarily by women. And many people have heard of one of these women. Her name was Irena Sendler. And these women would go into the ghetto. Some of them had passes that were given by war- the Warsaw Department of Health authorizing them to enter the ghetto on man- matters of sanitation and epidemic control. So they would go into the ghetto. And at first, all they were doing was they were smuggling in food. They were smuggling in typhus vaccines. They were smuggling in medicine because some of them had friends inside the ghetto and they knew that they couldn't they couldn't just stand by in the midst of this but as time went on as the situation in the ghetto became even more horrific there was widespread hunger and disease around eighty-three thousand people died perished of mainly of typhus and other disease and starvation related things and so this was this horrific backdrop and these women knew that they had to act and so they started to not only smuggle these these provisions in, but they started to smuggle children out because they knew that they had to protect the most vulnerable. So there was a lot of secret passageways that they would use. They would take them through a courthouse that bordered both the ghetto and the outside world. They would smuggle them out in satchels. They would take them out in just all of these various ways. And so they were together, these women were able to save hundreds of children, not, not only by smuggling them out, but then by sheltering them in homes, in foster families, in convents, in orphanages, all throughout Poland. And so that is really extraordinary to be able to research all of that and the contribution these women made and in the midst of the Holocaust, the lives that they were able to save and to preserve. So that was my character Antonina. And then my character Helena is inspired by the women who joined the Home Army, which was one of the largest resistance organizations in occupied Europe. From the earliest days of of the occupation in Warsaw, Poland, there was was widespread resistance and these women played a crucial role. And when the Warsaw Uprising broke out in the summer of 1944, there were nearly 12,000 women who served in various roles. They were so in the midst of this Uprising that swept across the city. These women were couriers, they were nurses, and some of them were even combatants. They were fighting with arms in hand, and over a thousand of these women who served lost their lives during the sixty-three days of the battle. And that was just a really extraordinarily compelling for me to discover that there were women who were even serving in combat roles in World War II, which is not something that we see in a lot of countries. And yeah. so, yeah, I really love just being able to research their stories and to explore them and to really bring them out of the shadows and illuminate them. Yeah, the bravery. I mean, not just smuggling things in, you know,
1: but also taking, you know, the children out. And I was talking about this with another author at a different time frame. But, um, you know, just the sheer, like, faith that they must have had to put their children in, in another hands. And because we teach our children, you know, we want to keep them away from strangers and away f- and keep them close to us. But back then in that time, they were they had to give their children away to keep them safe. It seems so counterintuitive, you know. Um Wow. I, I cannot wait to get to that chapter.
2: <laughs> yes, it was incredible. Irena Sendler always said that people would praise her. She was named Righteous Among the Nations, as were some of the, by Yad Vashem, as were some of the other women who worked alongside her. But she, Irena always said it again and again, that the Jewish mothers were the true heroines.
1: Oh, my God. that my, my heart just just skips a beat when I hear that, too. I can't imagine what they went through. And I think that's evident in your attention to detail um, as you write about the events that took place. And even you you talking about them, I mean, you, you can tell the type of research that you put into it. So I imagine there was a lot of research that was required to accurately portray the war developments in Poland um, and the resistance and the people who took part in it. Um, What is your, what is your research method? Do you have like a system that you use when you
2: research a novel? So this novel was fascinating because this is my second novel in a row set in Poland during World War II. My previous novel, Within These Walls of Sorrow, was set in Poland in the Krakow ghetto. This one takes place in Warsaw. But while researching Krakow, Poland, and occupied Poland in general, I discovered many of the historical events that inspired this novel, The Warsaw Sisters. And that's really what led me to write The Warsaw Sisters. All of the research that I had done kind of compiled. And I relied on more than 100 nonfiction titles. So lots of reading, dozens of firsthand accounts, because I always seek out those firsthand accounts, as well as like the broad historical narrative to get to to narrow in on the deeply personal experiences of individuals. And many of the scenes in the novel, many of the most, I would say, incredible things that you would, you're surprised that they actually happened came from those firsthand accounts. And there were also lots of interviews that I was able to study with with veterans of the Home Army who fought in the Warsaw Uprising. And there was even a museum that was only located a few hours from where I live that housed a collection of art. Artifacts and documents related to the Polish resistance. So I was able to go there. I was able to see copies of the newspaper that these teenage courier girls in the Polish resistance would smuggle in their suitcases across the city to distribute this illegal material. I saw um, helmets that the Home Army soldiers wore during the uprising. And so that was one of the most powerful moments because history became so tangible. Looking at these items and looking at, you know, even personal items, it's easy, it really makes you think that, you know, these people they lived 80 years ago. It may seem seen distant, you know, black and white photos, but they're really not so different from you and I.
1: Yeah, they I mean, they're just their resilience is, is insane. Um, and we we were stationed in Germany for a long time, as I know a lot of our listeners are also stationed in Germany. And now we have we have bases in Poland, where we're actually stationing families there, you know, for parts of the, the different um, areas. And it, it is amazing to be in that place, and I actually got to take my high school students to Auschwitz when we were when we were living there, and I was teaching in the the system there. So I think like when you go back and you talk about these type of things, the firsthand accounts. When I go to a museum, they're always what I listen to. I always just sit there, and I just for hours can sit there and listen to all the recordings, um, even though they're being portrayed by someone else. Sometimes, just amazing. So I'm sorry, I mean to get off on that tangent, but wow, I mean you just really. You really got deep on those situations. Now, when you research, I see that you write novellas and you write novels. The difference is from a novella is that it's shorter. Is that correct?
2: Yes, novellas are much shorter and they're usually in a collection with a bunch of other authors. So all the novellas will center around a similar theme or something like that. And so I've done quite a few of those. And then I've also written several novels. The majority of the novels set in World War II. And how did you start? I'm going to ask you this question, but how did you start writing? So I started writing, um, and my first published work was actually in one of the novella collections. It was done by Barbara Publishing, and I wrote several of those, and that was a really wonderful experience. I was able to explore eras, different historical time periods, and my first um, really full-length novel was called My Dearest Dietrich, and it was inspired by the true story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German. He was a pastor, theologian. He was involved in the um, anti-Nazi resistance movement and even associated with the plot to kill Hitler, and a lot of people know about Bonhoeffer's story, but what a lot of people don't know is that at the time of where he was embroiled in the depths of his resistance work, he was engaged to a young woman named Maria von Wiedemeyer. And so when I discovered that story, I really wanted to know more about Maria. I wanted to know who was this woman who was such a pivotal part of Bonhoeffer's life and why has history kind of left her in the shadows. And so that became my novel, My Dearest Dietrich. And then it's every, all the novel, success novels have all really built one upon another after that.
1: Wow. Well, yeah, and I was looking at you have quite an extensive collection of things that you've written. I mean, you must just look back in awe sometimes at it, you know, that all that you have done. And did
2: you start off as a writer? Or did you start off in a different type of job? I've I've always loved writing has has been something that I've ever since childhood, ever since um, high school, when I took a AP creative writing class that really sparked my love then, you um, so yeah, writing has always been even in the midst as I've pursued and done other careers, writing has always been there as a hobby, as a passion. And now I'm so grateful that I'm able to do it full time. Oh, I
1: love that you were inspired in high school. That makes me feel so happy.
2: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's such a great
1: thing as a high school teacher to know that maybe someday a little spark will be started. But I love the themes that you you have in your stories, the themes of courage, sacrifice, resilience. They're such noble themes. Um and they, you know, they're really. Themes of our deepest bonds. But can you unpack some of these? Why are these themes important to have in your stories, or do they just kind of come about?
2: So throughout my research, I always come across these stories and and it occurs again and again in all of the novels that I've written set during World War II, these stories of courage birthed by adversity. And I think about the women who rescued Jewish children, the women who fought in the Warsaw Uprising, they were these ordinary people and they were thrust into a war they did not choose. They had to face the occupation of their homeland and the loss of the freedom and often the very people they loved. And then they had to decide what their response would be. And, but yeah, they didn't think of themselves as courageous and yet again and again, we see them acting with incredible courage. And I think that theirs was often not a courage so much of choice, so much as necessity. And in the years after the war, a lot of people would, you know, they'd be asked in interviews about their activities and they would often say what I did wasn't extraordinary. It was normal. And yet their heroism left this incredible legacy. And I think that that's something that we can just return to again and again, the way that their courage manifested itself and just their incredible heroism. It just inspires me.
1: Oh, I completely agree with that. I mean, I want to thank you uh, for coming and sharing your novel. We're not done yet, listeners. So if you stay tuned, um, we are going to learn more about Amanda when you and you can also connect with her online at A-M-A-N-D-A-B-A-R-R-A-T-T dot net. And don't worry, we're going to have all the things in the show notes like we always do so. Stay tuned for the rest of our interview with Amanda Barrett, best selling author and award winning novelist, as she shares her newest piece of work with us. We'll be right back.
0: Here at Mission Mill Spouse, military spouses are the priority. With nearly 3,000 blog posts and over 1,000 podcast episodes in our archives, we have the resources and support to empower your military spouse journey, no matter your stage, season, or duty station. To support our mission and other military spouses like you, follow us across all social media platforms at Mission Millspouse, subscribe to our newsletter, The Sit Rep, or consider making a tax-deductible donation. We are also all volunteer-powered, so you're invited to join our band of bloggers or our command team. Email hello at missionmillspouse.org for more information. Remember, we've been there. You aren't alone. We've got your six. Welcome back, listeners.
1: We're continuing our conversation with Amanda Barrett, award-winning author of the Warsaw Sisters. Okay, we're going to jump right back in. So I know we talked a lot about like your love for the historical part, but what drew you to Poland? Like, is there like a pivotal part where like you're like, hey, I really want to know more about this or write about it?
2: So we have seen, there's so much about the Second World War, but from what I found, Poland's wartime history remains relatively unknown, especially in North America, where I live. And we think about that, more than 5 million Polish citizens lost their lives during the war. Among them, there were 3 million Polish Jews. Yet in the midst of one of the most brutal occupation regimes faced by any European country during the war, there was this extraordinary resistance. And throughout the launch of this novel and my previous novel set in Poland, I've spoken to so many people who had no idea of what Poland and suffered during the war, and also what incredible resistance took place there. There were over 350,000 soldiers in in the Polish resistance by 1944, and that's incredible considering the consequences for undertaking resistance was much more severe than in other occupied countries like France and the Netherlands, and so the valor of those who fought stand as a testament to the power of resistance. And also being of Polish heritage has made Poland's history and culture even more close to my heart. So there's kind of that personal connection there, wondering if I possibly had ancestors who participated in this resistance or who were possibly, in, you know, in in Auschwitz or another camp as many, there were many Polish political prisoners, both Jews and non-Jews in prison there. And there are so many stories to be explored, and I really hope to be able to continue to do that. Um, have you have you gotten to travel to Poland at all? I have so wanted to. I wrote this both of these novels in the thick of the pandemic, so oh. <laughs> not a lot of overseas travel was happening. But I've been I've been in touch with lots of museums over there, which were invaluable in researching these novels. And I taking a trip there is totally my dream. I really want to go over there and see all of that firsthand.
1: Oh, I hope you get there. That would that would be amazing. So when you like put your books out, what do you hope the readers will gain from reading, especially this book, The Warsaw Sisters?
2: So I always hope that readers are inspired by the stories of what I like to call the sparks of light in the night of war, the ordinary who quietly resisted and finding them relevant to their lives today. Because There is there is so much we can learn from searching the past. There are so many questions we can ask ourselves and so much and that remains unchanged, even as so much has changed. And I'm a Christian. And so all my novels are written from a place of faith because I truly believe that without God, life is empty in a dark world. He is our light and our truest hope is found in him. And so I always write out of that in the midst of the hist- the history.
1: Well, you're passionate for sure. And your 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 love for that and your spirit definitely shines through, especially for uncovering the often forgotten facets of history, such as the impact in Poland. Um, How do you decide upon your next writing project or have you thought about what your next project is going to be?
2: So for me, research is always like unwrapping layers of tissue paper as writing one novel often leads to a discovery that sparks the next. I really thrive on excavating those forgotten fragments of history and I'm always searching for stories, whether that's stories that haven't been told before or a fresh angle on a familiar historical narrative. Stories that make me pause and ask questions and delve deeper. When I find a story that takes hold of both my imagination and my heart, I set about the task of exploring it through a narrative format. And I have so many ideas um, of stories to share. They just kind of keep keep coming to me.
1: Okay. So as, as someone who loves to capture ideas, how do you like to capture ideas? Are you like a sticky note girl? Do you leave yourself voice memos? What do you do for that kind of information as they come into your head?
2: I have lots of notebooks. I have a notes app on my phone. And then I have lots of random scraps of paper that if I'm something, as I'm just come across something that I'll scribble it down before transferring it to one of the notebooks. So I've done, I've had times where one of those little scraps of paper though has gotten somehow in the laundry and I've taken it out of the dryer and it's like been this crumpled ball. And I'm like, my poor idea, it's completely gone.
1: (laughs) I feel that way every day sometimes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, Well, if our listeners wanted to have more information about your, your mission to support, well, not so much other military spouses, but if they wanted to support their love of reading and maybe delve into some more of your books, do you have, besides your website, are there other places they can go? Or do you have suggestions?
2: I always invite readers to, if they visit my website, to sign up for my newsletter because newsletter subscribers are always the first to see cover reveals, hear about future projects. I share a lot of fun things in there like recipes, book recommendations, and I always love to connect on Facebook and Instagram as well.
1: Well, that's great. And we our readers definitely like that as well. And I'm gonna to to make sure that is all that that will all be in the notes exactly how Amanda just said that. So don't stress on that, listeners. We're gonna get that to you as well. Um and as we wrap up our conversation, we actually have two pieces here. And the first one is we usually we have so many military connected um, people on the show, but I think with your historical research about how women prevailed during war, maybe you can throw this out. Um, what is one piece of advice you would give our listeners, military spouses, um, on how to navigate their military life, um, in respect to your area of expertise? You have any advice for us?
2: (laughs) Well, I've never served in the military. None of my family currently serves. So I really don't feel like super qualified to speak. But I would really just love to say thank you both to those who serve and to their families. I mean, thank you. There's so, there, we owe so much gratitude. I thank them for their service and your sacrifices, both seen and unseen. I thank you for your dedication to preserving freedom and your commitment to our country. It moves and humbles me to think of all you give so much more than most of us even realize. And I just think that may those of us who don't serve strive to live in such a way that we would never take your sacrifices for granted or handle them lightly. So I just thank you. And I just say, God bless you.
1: Oh, my gosh, that that just almost made me tear up here. That was a great answer. Um, And I love the way you have portrayed uh, women during this time period as well. Um, so we, we have one thing left and it's not on your script. So we like to throw it at you blind. So we did, we call this our little lightning round. We just got a couple questions for you and you can pick one or the other answers. And so the first one is a beach
2: vacation or mountain
1: vacation. If you had to choose,
2: I'm going to say beach. Cause right now it's freezing in Michigan. So I'd love to be on some tropical beach. That's right. You just got snowed on. Okay. Beach it
1: is. Um, so movie theater to see a movie or couch to watch the movie.
2: Probably my couch. So then I can be in my pajamas.
1: <laughs> You're a girl after my own heart. Okay, so writing with background noise or writing in silence?
2: Silence, absolutely. Though in a busy with a busy household, I don't often get that silence. But I definitely take it anytime I do.
1: Okay, and I got one more. I won't give you army versus navy since you you said you don't have military ties. So um, we're gonna check that one out. But a uh, long car trip or plane ride?
2: Um. <laughs> Well, uh, it depends on who I'm traveling with. I'll say plane ride because it's just nice to be able to get there, get there quickly.
1: Yeah, it's funny, too. It seems like people in the Midwest prefer the plane rides. That was what I've noticed. (laughs) So There you go. And then my last question for you is, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but is there any book besides your own that has inspired you to um, maybe become an author or, you know, continue to write? Is there any author that you particularly like to read?
2: Well there's a book that I continually recommend um for people seeking to learn more about the Holocaust or and it's called Rena's Promise a story of sisters in Auschwitz and you can look it up it's available on all major online retailers, but it's just this really incredible, touching story of two sisters. Um, a woman wrote their memoir years later in their experiences. Um, they were Jewish and their experiences in the camps. And it's just a really powerful memoir of strength and survival and sisterhood. And so it's something that I owe that really impacted me when I read it several years ago. And I would definitely recommend it and also be, recommend it to your teens or your high schoolers if they're seeking to yeah. learn more about the time period. I and mean, it's Rena, R E N A S? R E N A S. R-E-N-A-S, Rena's Promise.
1: Okay, perfect. I'm going to get that in the show notes as well. Amanda, it has been such a pleasure having you on our show today. And I want to thank you for sharing more about your novel, your passion for writing historical novels, and for your portrayal of women and strength and resilience, because we love those themes here at Mission Mill Spouse. And as always, we thank you very much for serving our community and sharing your resources with our listeners.
2: Oh, this has been such a joy. Thank you so
1: much for having me. Thank you again to today's guest, Amanda Barrett. We wish her the best
0: of luck and look forward to seeing what comes off the end of her pen in the future. Thank you for tuning in to the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your tribe and leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our podcast on the podcast app of your choice, including Apple, Google Play, and Spotify. Join us on our mission by making a tax-deductible donation on our website, missionmillspouse.org. Military spouses around the world, thank you for your support. Mission Millspouse, empowering military spouses since 2005.